Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We've become a society where safety is more important than any sense of personal freedom or responsibility. We're like, oh, okay, yeah. Should I be able to do this as an adult? No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. I, sorry. I thought, I thought that was my freedom as a human being. <laughs> Who's grown up in a Western democracy. I thought I could do shit. That is presenter, writer, producer, and occasional politician, James Matheson. And this, well, this is episode 215 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 215 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher. This is my show. Thank you for being here. This episode today is with James Matheson, whom you can find on Twitter at James Matheson. Thanks to everybody that sent me a note this week. Let me know they're into the show. You can always email me, sendosher email at gmail.com. It's a great place to send a podsy picture as well, hashtag P-O-D-S-I-E, which is a picture taken of what you're looking at right now as you're listening to this, to the sound of my voice. Whip out your phone, open up the camera app, take a photo, send it to me, sendosher email at gmail.com or you can tag me on Twitter a few people do that or Instagram it's great it's a great way to get to know you uh, we know each other I share them around sometimes helps us all get to know each other which is nice I had some great experiences with people this week I mean I just did the talking part but they were uh, transplanting fringe of pennies in the backyard which is a fantastic gardening action uh, there was a walk around the block um, in the middle of a work day in Brisbane to get the legs moving which is great and a flight to London in the back of a British Airways plane. They're the places we've been together this week, so I'm looking forward to hearing and seeing where we're going to go next week. It's very exciting. It's great to know you. You know, it's, it's, it's good to get to know you as well because I'm, I know I'm pretty open on this show, but it's nice to hear from you. So, yeah, you can write me to an email. Write me an email. Send us your email at gmail.com. I'll write back. I tend to write back to pretty much everyone. I'm still on holidays. I'm in Canada, uh, which is great. Um... We were in 20, minus 23 degrees the other day in Quebec, uh, which is interesting. I've never seen a frozen river before, like kind of slushy icebergs moving back and forth with the tide. That was interesting. Um, New Year's Eve was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, we had dinner with Wardry's childhood friend. They've known each other for a long time, and um, we danced our asses off in the bitterly freezing cold. There's a massive rave that's set up in the in the middle of the city in this big park in Quebec. It was George's first glimpse of an EDM kind of production event. She was right into it. Had the booth, the DJ booth and the visuals and everything. She was right into it. We lasted about 45 minutes. And then it was like, okay, I can't feel my toes. I still want to be able to count to 20. Let's get out of here. I wanted to share with you um, to check in this week. Um, had a pretty big breakthrough uh, this week. It, it happened alone while I was in the bathroom. No, not 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 like that. Uh, as you know, if you first time listening, hi, I'm Osha. Uh, my brain's kind of different. I talk a lot on this show about living with a different brain. Um, at the moment, I'm off meds. I'm doing an experiment with my doctor for about six to eight weeks off meds just to see how I can cope, if I can cope, because I was taking meds every day. Um, but benefits versus side effects are a constant tussle when you're on meds. So anyway, I'm off meds at the moment. And I was washing my hands, and my head was just swimming with ruminating anxiety just horrid doom thoughts looping around and around not as bad as before i fell into psychosis but bad like awful eczema in the summertime you scratch it and it feels a tiny little bit better but then it bleeds and it stings and it scabs and it itches and and then you want to scratch it again you can deal with it but it just it just takes so much bandwidth 
takes up so much bandwidth in your head that you don't have the space or energy to, to feel or think about it, anything else, and it sucks. And I just kind of let out this big sigh like, oh, fuck, here we go, another fucking day of this. And then I just laughed. I just laughed at how ridiculous it was that I had this thing in my head. I suddenly found it hilarious that I was in this beautiful living museum of Quebec City. Uh, uh, you know, we were staying in a fortress that had origins all the way back to the 1600s. Uh, and I was being pummeled by these fucking thoughts again. So I just laughed. I laughed at how ridiculous the whole thing was. That four years later, when I'm, uh, I'm still trying to live my life off meds again, I was still being punished by my own brain. So I just laughed only for a second. Then I tried to laugh again, but I couldn't muster it. So I fake laughed until the real laugh started. Now, I don't know if it's the physical act of laughing or giggling that shakes my diaphragm out of the loop of anxiety breathing or the effect of the muscles in my face finding a, a true smile in the midst of all the turmoil, but the thoughts and the fear thoughts were suddenly further away than they, they'd been in a long, 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 long time, if maybe ever. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I would need this claim to be backed up by a double-blind placebo-controlled study. I'm a big fan of research. But I think my brain has changed while I've been on meds. I think the neural pathways that were the, just the shortcuts to terror are now no longer the guaranteed thought path every time there's a trigger. That now my brain is healed enough that the switches that allow which direction your thoughts are going to go are, are moving again. And they're moving enough to allow me to put new thought patterns in there. And with a bit of practice, they're sticking. That wasn't happening before. I was unable to do that. I was unable to change how I felt about something, which is ultimately <clears throat> what makes us human and what makes what separates us from, you know, just pure nothing but gangly a jellyfish just swimming around, reacting and never actually considering. And that didn't happen last time I was off meds. In fact, I was, I was just truly powerless, just flipping around on instinct alone, like a like a cut-off power cord lying in a puddle of water. And it ended up nearly destroying me. The challenge I have now, though, is to come up with reasons when Audrey or Georgia asks, what's so funny? Well, what are you giggling about? That's something I'm going to have to figure out later. But right now I'm enjoying... Because what I do to think about to help me giggle at the, at the thoughts is I visualise a, a, a frightened, bossy two-year-old version of me stamping his foot and shouting at these these preposterous things and I kind of giggle at it it's pretty funny so look none of this might have resonated with you um, you might be going what are you talking about but I don't know if if you have had any experience with a brain that that can't consider a thought and instead just runs on reactions maybe you might want to try giggling this week have a giggle to yourself i hope it makes you feel better it's made me feel better i don't want to i have to say a massive thank you to everyone that shared that they were listening to this show through the week um for everyone that sent a text or said to somebody hey you listen to this show check it out because i've noticed there's heaps more new people listening hi Welcome. Thanks for being here. It does make a big difference when you're able to tell another person you care about that this show exists and what it's about. The you know, on a completely selfish level, the more listeners we get, the better guests we get, the better shows you get. So that's pretty much it. Um, the more people we get switched onto the show, the the more I can go to the publicists with the download numbers and the publicists are the gatekeepers of the big names and go, hey, how about we get them on the show? It is the holidays. Um, and I did uh, promise you some new episodes to listen to. I, I do have one, unless you have been a Patreon supporter of me over the last year. Um, I don't run a Patreon campaign actively anymore, um, though some people do still consider, continue to uh, contribute, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but this is one of the episodes that you would have heard if you were a loyal Patreon supporter. Um, if you weren't, that's fine, because you're going to hear a new episode today. Yeah, it originally, episode is, uh, it originally aired as a supporter exclusive, but... It's worth giving another listen. 
and I'm very happy to have him back on the show. My guest today is James Matheson. He's an Australian TV presenter, writer, father, activist, and now politician. Jim and I worked together for many years. We started together at Channel V in 2000, and then we went on to work on Australian Idol together. I've known Jim since 2000. Yeah. He's still one of the most clever people I've ever met. He'll read a paper cover to cover every day. He'll read a book a week, and he still has time to be a brilliant father to his two wonderful daughters. James came around. We shot the breeze at my old place back in Bondi. It was a little while ago now, but over a year ago. So this chat is a little dated, but it's look, it's worth listening to because this guy's got the brain the size of a planet, and he really has a, a glorious ability to calm me down about things I get fired up about. See, when I get all mad that you know polar bears are dying and we're still burning coal, Jimmy is calm and considerate and thinking about alternatives that both sides of the political spectrum can get behind. I wish I was more like him, and I'm working every day to be so. You can let him know you heard him here on Twitter. You can find him there. He's James Matheson on Twitter. He's a very smart man. He's a very funny man. And I'm sure you'll love this conversation with my friend Jim. Have a seat. Have a coaster. Batch? Yeah. Richie's the batch? We've started batch, yeah. I don't understand Richie. No? He's lovely. He's lovable. Everyone likes him. Yeah. He seems like a shrinking violet. And then he posts like... Selfies like fucking check out my rig. Is that a generational thing? I um, because I thought men who are sort of sort of shy and retiring would be like, no, 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 I'm not fucking showing off my rig like that. Check out my check out the gun show. Hmm. It's interesting. It might be a generational thing. It might maybe I'll he let, waxes his chest. I'll let the rig do the talking. Have you ever let the rig do the talking? Uh, no. I don't think the rig does a lot of talking. <laughs> Rig's under wraps. But here's the thing. I did want to talk to you about a lot of things today. Richie's hotness. Was that? Have you got a list? The cleft chin. He's got a cleft chin. Oh, yeah. Where did the cleft chin go? You yeah. just don't see them anymore. They've gone out of fashion. Because um, I, I remember Winfield Cup, moustache... You know, bit of palm sandwich, cigarette at half time, bum chin. Mm. You know, that's what I remember. Manly men had bum chins. They've been bred out. Really? Yeah. In one generation. Too much, what's the diet got to do with it? Folate. (laughs) We're getting enough folate now. (laughs) It's a midline defect. Um, Yep. Cleft palate. Cleft lip, bum chin, they're all sort of in the same he's family. Got, he's got a jaw. He's got a jaw that could carve marble. Mm. He really does. He's got a good jaw. So, I mean, I, the thing is, women like the, the bum chin, I think. Yeah. He's I can't bit, look at him. I, he's so good looking, I can't even look at him. Like, uh, like directly, like looking into the sun. It's like that. You can only look. He's also got these piercing blue eyes that you have to look away. You have to, you have to just look away. But yeah, Richie's. Who's your like? Let's just say, let's just put it out there of Australian blokes. Top three best looking Australian blokes. Ah, uh, gee whiz, I'd have to think about that. Best three, top three best looking Australian men in any field. Yeah, any field whatsoever. Because after you know this week, I, Richie's in there for me. He's so good looking. Richie's in the top three best looking men in the country. Yeah, easily. Without a doubt. I'd also say Mitch Johnson. Fast bowler. Yeah. He's a very good looking man. Brawny. And he's got that sleeve tat. So one arm's the sleeve tat and the other arm's not. So we can just kind of. Pick your options. Depending on, you know, which Which side he wants to. (laughs) Which parent he's meeting. Stand that way (laughs) for the mum. And then you just 90 degrees. For the dad. Yeah. <laughs> or is it the other way around? Who, which parent would you... No, I think... Yeah, I think he'd be all right showing the sleeve to the dad. He'd be like, ah, oh, you know. I disagree. Because if the daughter... Actually, no, you're right. Because if the daughter's looking to replicate the father bonding experience with her future partner, 
yeah, the sleep tat to the dad. But you want to, you want the mum to love you, not be scared off like, oh my baby girl. Yeah. You know? But yeah. then you don't want the dad to try and murder you when you sleep, so it's a tricky yeah. one. Yeah. Maybe you just wear a shirt when you meet the dad. Long sleeves? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, but you know as well as I do, Dad's going to do some Facebook stalking <clears throat> and Dad's going to find photos of you and Kudo from 2009. <laughs> <laughs> Top three best-looking men in Australia. What's that golfer? Scott. He's a good-looking oh, Adam, Adam good Scott's good-looking man. Good-looking fella. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd, I'd definitely classify him. Jack yeah. Thompson? Oh, good Lord. What? Now, hang on. 70s, I'm living with two sisters, Jack Thompson? Probably that's yeah. more on the money rather yeah. than, oh, it looks like I ate two sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Thompson. Yeah. I mean, he's an Australian legend. I shouldn't say that. But he got big. Jack got big. Yeah, he, he puffed out a bit. Uh, clearly, Chris Hemsworth has to be on there. Good Lord. Now, is is he too puffy? In the Is he too much in the beef department no no because uh, he's thor so he okay. has to over beef if anything well for thor you can over beef but just like in generally day to day like in the recent ghostbusters trailer he's not so gigantic mm. i think when you start to look like when you walk that you're carrying two suitcases <laughs> you become a, a permanent traveler that's when you're too big you know you know that walk that those guys get they're so massive the lats cut, don't yeah. let the, the lats That's don't let the elbows big. come down. He's worked with a good body. What are they called in Hollywood? Like who take care of you? You've got to prepare you for a role. Personal trainer? Yeah. He's worked with a good yeah. guy who's made him look like, whoa, instead of, ugh, yeah. freakish. Are you one of the Norwegian guys from the world's strongest man who lifts boulders? You don't want that sort of body type. Have you ever had an Australian world's strongest man? We've had a, an Australian everything. Um, Are we going to Google? We're going to go to Google. I don't think we have. We can't compete with the Slovakians. So it's Jack Thompson, (laughs) uh, Chris Hemsworth. Okay, let's go active. We're going to go actors. We'll go actors and we'll go sportsmen. No, no. uh, And there's got to be a dark horse in there. Malcolm Turnbull. Now, Aussie male, young kind of buck, uh, tech investor, Ahead of the game, Malcolm Turnbull, or later on... Oh, no, Silver Fox. Silver Malcolm Fox, Turnbull. Malcolm Turnbull. Mm. NBN's great. Fibre to the node. Malcolm mm. Turnbull. Yeah. I heard a great thing about Malcolm Turnbull the other day. I was sitting with someone uh, at a function who was a fairly high-flying corporate person, I will say, and um, it was reminiscing about times in uh, negotiation rooms with Mal back when Mal was... Um, a lawyer, and um, doesn't mind a table flip when things don't go his way. Right. Yeah. So is he responsible for that marble table that got broken in Parliament House? Possibly. <laughs> it's, that, that's Thor-like strength, though. Mm. If you can flip a marble table. Like, wow. there's flipping the... There's levels of table flip. There's a card table. Not so exciting. Any kind of... Your Magic the Gathering cards go everywhere. It's not really that impressive. No. But... If a full negotiating table, stand up, table flip, yeah. walk out of the room. I've always wanted to do that. Just flip a table. Yeah. I've never had the means or the motivation, though. You'd want to really have that as your last resort. I'd love to see some table flipping on Batch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I was on a reality show, that would be in, be in my quiver. Have you... Have you Cast some girls in there who can potentially table flip. What do you think, Jim? <laughs> I'm betting yes. <laughs> I'm betting yes. I'm also betting that the girls you've cast who are potential table flippers don't know that they've been <laughs> cast because the production team knows that they're potential table flippers. They think they've been cast because the production team believes that, yeah, you have a good chance here. Without Bachelor, when in actual fact, you are meat for the grinder. (laughs) Unforgettable? (laughs) Can't say. (laughs) Oh, 
Yeah, fun. It's a sh- yeah, so you're not privy to that, are you? That You just meet them at the end where uh, they've been cast. Yeah. 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 Um, goodness gracious. That would be fun. Yeah. I would like to be involved in that. The casting process? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. I was trying to make the casting tour this year, but then the radio job came up. Uh, there's got to be some dark arts that go on in those rooms. Well, we've seen it. You saw it in Idol. You saw the dark arts. Mm. The dark arts of... Yeah, know. selecting kids who you know are excellent and then selecting a pool of kids who have no idea how terrible they are. Um, I mean, but that was always slightly harder to swallow because yeah. you know that they have a potential for humiliation yeah. and we are complicit in that, yeah. yeah. Or, or loose response. Mm. Yeah. Or maybe not 100%, not s- s- stable, but self-awareness was very lacking for some of those kids yeah. and knowing that we were just putting them up for ridicule. Mm. That was tough for me. Oh, absolutely. Me as well. First year or two. <laughs> but you meet... Then my heart hardened to a, like an obsidian <laughs> level of darkness and I just moved on. Yeah. Just the, <laughs> just the, the infinite bleakness <laughs> of a television producer's soul <laughs> who's been doing it too long. <laughs> we worked with many great producers, but there were a couple of producers <laughs> who not only had no empathy but also reveled in the idea, <laughs> oh, my God, we've hit gold at this socially unstable, completely self-aware, delusional kid out the front. This is great. This is great. And we'd be like, oh, go in, sh- Go in there and ask him about their dad who's dying. Go, go, go. <laughs> Get him to tear up. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. There was a, TV, yeah. Being a TV producer, you have to... Work on shows that sometimes you're getting material which you know is like, oh, this is probably not great for the person involved, but it's excellent television. And yet, though, we don't get a chance to focus on the duty of care that happens afterwards, like with the debriefing and the psychs that are available and the support that happens for the months after the show. Mm. Um, what do you mean? I was I was always there for you. <laughs> I, I was there for all of it for but you. But you could never prescribe anything for me, Jim. Well, they weren't prescribed. <laughs> Any drugs you I don't need me. a prescription. <laughs> oh, and that's why you sign a waiver. Yeah, there is aftercare, but they have that in batch as well, don't they? they oh, have yeah, yeah, People yeah. who follow yeah, up there's and a full time. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. There's psych evaluation, and when you're getting people living together, you don't want. You know, someone who's sure going to cut absolutely loose. I did feel like um, the woman who Sam Wood didn't choose in the finale, the one who wasn't Shiznana, Shiznina, Lana. Shiz- Lana, yeah, she took that particularly hard. So I'm glad you've got those people on site to go. Hey, you okay? Yes. You need us any time? Give us a call. Yeah. Oh, they, it's 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 more proactive. They call them every day. Yeah. They they call the 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 lady every day mm-hmm. to check in and um, yeah. as long as they want, you know, because in the end we're just making telly. Deliver wine and Xanax for them. <laughs> did your parcel? Did your gift box arrive? Yeah. <laughs> but it's good. I'm excited. I'm excited but, about another batch. Uh, uh, yeah. I yeah. Mail order Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> it never arrives. Uh, you're just not trying hard enough. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. And so, yeah, that's TV. Mm. Casting. TV yeah, casting. it's fun. Uh, it, it is fun. There's mm. a new show, the, the Seven Year Switch, though, that's coming up. Have you heard about that? No, no. Where you get to sleep with another man's wife. Pretty much. In the same bed. Right. But at the same time, like, another like, man is sleeping with your wife. Like wife's what? Yes, but in the, in the same bed. So they sleep together. Yep. Fair enough. Not sure if but, I'd sign hey, up to look, that. You can't have gay marriage. <laughs> you know, I was talking to someone the other day about um, uh, vegetarianism and veganism and gay marriage. And he, we were talking about progress is slow. He's like, you know, it took the world about 300 years to work out slavery wasn't great. 
you know. So <laughs> it happens. It takes time, but it, it happens. But that is something that to most of us is clearly hugely wrong, yet it took humanity a couple hundred years to go, yeah, no, it's not really that cool to own another person. <laughs> and their children by rights. Yeah. And so... Social change is happening faster, but it's happening. And, yeah, I think you've got to remember the fights that have occurred in the past and how long they've taken. I think we're very impatient. We want to see it now, 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 now. But, yeah, you know, it sounds but, harsh, but progress happens one funeral at a time. You oh, know? God. <laughs> you got to, it does, doesn't it? A generation who've been raised on a certain set of ideals aren't just going to drop them overnight because of a... A meme, you know, because <laughs> they saw something on Instagram because a, a change.org petition came their way. Yeah, I think people have got to understand that when they're wanting change as well. But what, what about when change is needed in a hurry for the good of the society? Mm. Yeah, I'm not saying there is no... For example... Uh, John Howard with the gun rights, the gun laws in 96. Yep. They went from Martin Bryant's rampage, murderous executions, mm. to buying back guns within five months. Yeah. And I always say, like, if as much as I disagree with so much of what John Howard did, the footage of him shouting at a square full of nutbag right-wing people saying Indonesia is going to invade us and he's shouting at them going, "You, we have to do this and we have to do this now. Yeah. It does, ha- it can happen quickly when there's the leadership there. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's an issue though that, like where was Australia before that, that we all should have guns, you know? It wasn't a massive societal shift in thinking. It went from, Australians aren't that really into the idea of people carrying handguns or owning handguns in their home. And he just went a step further on the back of what was an unimaginable tragedy, you know? Mm. It's hard to think of something that's equatable for gay marriage or climate change or, you know, asylum seekers. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're getting there. I think around the world we're getting there. Uh, you know what I think part of the problem is, is proponents for gay marriage using language that is uh, offensive and a little bit loaded, you know, that when you see people wanting gay marriage and calling their opponents bigots and homophobes, they're actually making the campaign for progress harder. Because you're trying to fight for something that's about love and you do that with love, you know, and with language that is accepting and tolerant, not the opposite. And I understand their sort of motivation, but it shows a lack of understanding for people who are scared and have resistance to same-sex marriage. A lot of that stuff is cultural and religious and generational. Yeah, so just, I think the language has to be better. We're fighting for love, you know? Mm-hmm. Love wins. And when you go, oh, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, that gives people who don't want to see change more ammunition because instead of it being about gay rights, same-sex marriage, equal rights, it becomes about you attacking your opponent and it sort of diminishes the argument. So, yeah, I think that needs to be... And we'll get a plebiscite this year, so I think it's a really important distinction. You know, we're fighting for love, not against love, so we can't fight bigotry with bigotry and fight prejudice with misunderstanding. It's like, no, this is about love. Get on board, not fuck off, you homophobe. (laughs) Yeah. That... And I know it's hard to. No, it, it, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge for me. In October, I'm going to New Zealand for my brother's wedding um, because he can't marry his boyfriend in Australia. Mm. His brother's his uh, partner's New Zealander. Um, and well, you know, we're going to get to go to Queenstown, and they're going to get married with mountains and shit, and it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, 
it really sucks that I've been married, got divorced, and I'm about to get married again. No one's blinking. And yet my brother and his love for his partner can't be the same. Yeah. Um, well, but I get, makes, I get what you're saying. But right? who makes the decisions in this country? Uh, mining magnates. <laughs> Politicians. <laughs> And who's your average, who go to dinner with mining magnates? What's your demographic of your average politician? Oh, good lord, they're all they're all white men. White, they're all white men. Over fifty, easy. Catholic, yeah, yeah. And so, if you look at the demographics of people who are in favour or against gay marriage, and you look at your, generally speaking, the proportion of people over sixty who are white who are Catholic, who are in favour of gay marriage, it's not as high as the rest of the population. So, you know. The problem isn't just where we're at as a society. It's that the people in power are sort of... You know what I'd love, you know, I'd love to do? I'd love to do a campaign where we go to <laughs> Ireland, um, people who died for their Catholicism uh, and have legalised gay marriage and do a campaign going, that's all right, Australia. Don't worry. Mm. It's going to be okay. You can go around the world. <laughs> yeah. You just know? relax. You can go to... God hasn't yet struck us Dean. Exactly. I went Scottish. I don't know why. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> it's very hard to stay Speak Irish. Speak long enough, you'll get, you'll get to Indian. <laughs> I mean, the, the Dutch are an even better example because then you've got a country where you've got more than 12 months to use as an example. You've got, you know, almost 16 years and the sky hasn't fallen in and you've got yeah. couples who've raised children in gay and lesbian relationships and they've turned out fine. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good idea for a campaign, I reckon. But I think I'm against the plebiscite. I think that's a s- silly idea. They don't have to stick to it. That's but the shitty part. A, they don't have to stick to it. And B, if you had a plebiscite in the 50s or the 60s or even the early 70s in America, should we desegregate our schools? Should we, in essence, allow black kids to go to schools? Or even interracial marriage. I reckon if you looked at the figures in the early 70s, you'd find that still a plebiscite, if hypothetically that happened. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In the 70s, would have said, no, we're not into the idea of a black man marrying a white woman. So... Why have we got to a point where the majority get to have a say in the rights of a minority, you know, when it doesn't affect them? Like, how does... You're about to get married. How does your time. How does your brother's gay marriage affect your marriage, you know? Not at all. It doesn't, so... Not in the slightest. Anyway, I think we take... I know we feel like we've got to rush it when we've got to have patience, but I think you, you've also got to bring a whole section of the population along. And, you know, bring the, not just shove it down their throat. You can bring them along and do it in good time as well. Yeah. Maybe I'm too patient, but it's going to happen. Mm. I wish I had your patience. <laughs> I do. I really do. Because that's the thing that, that's the thing that drives my, my neuroses that punish my head every day is that the change isn't happening by this afternoon. And it's so hard to, to live with um, sometimes. Um, but I like, I, mean, what I like what you're saying about if you're using aggressive language about any of this, if you frighten people in the slightest, they go into defense mode and that's it. They just galvanize their uh, position. Yeah. And it's going to take years to, to break that down. Totally. It's the backfire effect, you know. Also, if you look like, historically at... You know, what's worked activism-wise, you know, there's different ways to do it. And, and the, the argument now that, you know, you're David Lightley and Helm and Corey Bernardi and that are using is moving away from, look, what about the children, what about the children? It's like um, religious conservatives are now going to be denied their right to practice freely 
you know, because of that, because they feel under threat now. So it's about taking away the threat to them and making it just about homosexuals and lesbians don't get to choose their sexuality. So why would we deny them equal rights? We don't deny them rights to superannuation. We don't deny... If, if you discriminate against the gay man in the workplace, in the public service... Um, in how you pay him for welfare benefits, that's discrimination. Yeah. But you can do it in this one little column, which is marriage. No, it doesn't fly anymore, guys. No. It's discrimination and, yeah, we've got to change. But we're on our way, man. Woo! It's going to be a party. It's going to be a hell of a party. Boy, howdy. Um, It's going to be a hell of a party. Did we talk about this last time? We were always talking about gay marriage in our podcast, your podcast. No, this, podcast? this is our podcast, Jimmy. I don't know. It's a topic that's close to my heart because, you know, I see, you know, it's just part of my family. And, you know, you're, you know, you've, you're absolutely right. People don't get to choose their, <coughs> their sexuality. It's, um, yeah. When, did you listen to Marin on Obama? I mean, Obama on Marin. Um, so Marin asks Obama. Oh, he, did he, Obama for his podcast? <laughs> Obama landed... Marine One, the chopper, in the football field across from Marin's house, got in the beast, drove half a mile. There was sharpshooters and snipers. He went into Marin's garage. The President of the United States sat down with Marin. And Obama says um, he he likens it to a cruise ship. This society is a cruise ship. It's got all these different kinds of people, all these different kinds of jobs. You've got a captain and you've got the people on the, you know, down at the bottom who rarely see the sunlight. That's just their job. And you've got the people in different classes of cabins, all right? If you turn the cruise ship wheel 90 degrees, everyone's going to get their drinks spilled. Everything's going to fall over. It's going to be shit house. You've got to turn that wheel a degree at a time for everyone to be able to move yeah. together. And as you mentioned before, That's what I'm talking incremental about. change. Yeah. Incremental change. But it's dealing with the fact that that it's not now. <laughs> it's the thing that's, uh, that's, that's a trick. But also part of that trick is like there's no, there has to be a clear direction as well, you know, mm. and a forewarning. We're heading here. Yeah. This is why we're heading here. Yeah. You're taking, it, we're taking us with you. There's been so much sort of, double talk about where we're going with a lot mm. of these social issues that but also you say that and then someone else captains the ship we start to turn we start to turn and then uh we're getting a new captain and then yeah. election and so part of the thing with a cruise ship analogy is we need to be thinking like where we're going to be heading in 20 years time yeah. 10 years time what sort of society we want to build yeah and start moving towards that but because of the nature of the electoral cycle Instead of working out where we want to be, like, way out to sea, we're like, oh, you know, move here, but then someone else might be in charge. So I'm not going to steer for a while. I'm going to take my hands off the wheel, (laughs) and I'm just going to talk to all the passengers. Yeah. And, you know, hope that they keep me on as captain. (laughs) So that's that's, that's no way to fucking move forward either. How do you feel about four-year terms then? Here? Yeah. I don't think it changes that much. I like the idea of them, definitely. Because you get that Nimto thing, not in my term of office. <clears throat> and I, I personally feel like it's shit like that, which is why we don't have a high-speed rail between Melbourne and Sydney. Because no one wants to start a project that's going to take 15 years to build. Well, and, it's not going to, yeah. And then... How am I going to benefit from that? Yeah. I'm not going to be office in 15 years. Exactly. And then when... Okay. And you, what, you're then going to have to go out of office for four years, attack the project you started, and then come back into office, and then... Uh, you know, attack the people that looked after for the last it'd three take, years. It'll take some sort of visionary leader, you know, yeah. and a great communicator to do are it. Are we breeding those people, though? Where but are why they? do you want a high-speed rail between Sydney and Melbourne when I can get on a Tiger Airlines for, you know, $69? Because it's more efficient uh, energy-wise. It's more available to more people in society. Mm. It would service the community between here and there way more. It's the most profitable air route in the world, the airline between Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. So that's also probably a part of the reason why we don't have it. Yeah. So (laughs) you're going to have a lot of forces against you, but also, like, I don't think financially it's 
Yeah. If I can get to the the, from the top of Spain to the bottom of Spain in two and a half hours, Mm. and that's a 500 kilometre drive. Yeah. It's malarkey that we don't have this kind of travel options in this country. And but it's, it's things like that. And I, I've been in Brisbane the last two months, right? I, I think probably your bigger problem is that once you get to Melbourne from Sydney, you're in a cab for about an hour twenty. Like sometimes your cab ride from Melbourne yeah. Airport to <laughs> yeah, the city is longer, longer than, than your plane. flight. You're absolutely yeah. right. Telemarine's a long way out of town. Uh, so I've been in Brisbane uh, a lot doing this radio thing. And what is so brilliant about Brisbane is that they have a unified city council. And I think it's one of the largest areas of council, uh, possibly in the world even. It's huge. So in the time that here in Sydney they've been debating about another harbour crossing, for example, um, Brisbane's dug three separate five-kilometre-long tunnels under the city mm-hmm. to alleviate they've, uh, two river crossings. One, no, sorry, one river – no, with the extra gateway bridge, two river crossings uh, and, a, and a 6K tunnel under the city uh, to – the, the centre of the city and then another one out to the airport. Like, they just make it fucking happen. Oh, yeah, Brisbane can... They can dig holes. Yeah. But as well, it's... it's They just do it. Whereas here, there's so... People just don't want to do bloody anything. And... And, like, the other thing that I love there is that rather you than... You did sound like an old man saying, oh, mate, get, get off my lawn then. Fuck, dude. I'm 40... Hey, get off my lawn, kids! I'm 42 in less than, what is it, the 10th? I'm 42 in three weeks. It's coming. Yeah. I'll get the cantankerous. My ribs hurt. Hurts when I sneeze. I creak when I get up. I do. I make a noise when I get into a car. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in Brisbane, there's a freeway that runs from the centre of town down to the Goldie, right? So rather than put an extra lane on, which they're doing here in Sydney. Brisbane put an extra lane on, but it's a busway that's concreted in, so you can't drive over it, but it's only buses. And on the other side of the highway is... Hovercrafts. Cycleway. The Hyperloop. Cycleway. And it goes for 15 k's out of town along the side of the freeway. Mm. And the amount of people on that bikeway is fantastic. Yeah. I've been living in Brisbane without a car, just Ubers, and it's fucking awesome. So good. Well, yeah... I do have to make a lot of small talk with Uber people, though. Yeah. Sydney hates cyclists, you forget. Sydney hates cyclists with a Wants psychopathic vengeance. Wants them dead, yeah. With a psychopathic vengeance. I think everyone, before they get their car licence, should have to ride a push bike oh, yeah. around city. Yeah. As part of your car licence, you should do a couple of weeks on a push bike in order just to get a sense of what it is actually like out there being on the other side. Yeah. Um, if you haven't done it, uh, spoiler alert, fucking terrifying. <laughs> Aggressive. Aggressive, angry. And it feels like because a cyclist once either lane hopped or went through a light, you will now share the burden and anger that. For all cyclists, for yep. all time, for all cyclists on the road. It's really scary, but I really think that's a great way to get a bit of perspective and see how terrifying it is and give cyclists a bit of bit of space, a bit of scope, and just um, make it a little bit safer out there. Duncan Gray, is that the roads minister in New South Wales? Yeah, he's never ridden a bike. Fucking vengeance on cyclists. He's like, no, nah, you've got to wear a helmet. Got to get carry a, ID. Got to carry ID. Right on the footpath, it's 450 bucks. You know how much it is if you caught speeding with a vehicle that weighs a ton? About 400 bucks, you know? It, the, the same fucking fine if you are caught speeding in a one-ton four-wheel drive versus if you're on a mongoose on the footpath for a little bit. The idea, Duncan, is Duncan doesn't listen, does he? The idea, Duncan, is to get more cyclists on the road that creates more awareness, creates a safer environment for cyclists. And then you have a city that, A, has less cars on the road, which is what you want to do as roads minister, and also a place where people can go, oh, I feel safe to go out and cycle. And you do that by encouraging people to cycle, making them wear helmets, 
making them carry ID does not do that. And we're not fucking freaks here. Copenhagen, New York City, Tokyo, some of the biggest cycling hubs on the planet don't make you wear a helmet for nipping down to the shops. We've become a society where safety is more important and they've drummed this into us so we swallow it whole. Safety, your safety is more important than any sense of personal freedom or responsibility. We're like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Can I, uh, should I be able to do this as an adult? No, 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 no. You might hurt yourself. Oh, sorry. I, sorry, I thought, I thought that was my freedom as a human being <laughs> who's grown up in a Western democracy. I thought I could do shit like, you know, grow like a marijuana plant that comes out of the ground and smoke it in my own home. No, I can't do that. Oh, shit. <laughs> Raw milk from a cow? No, 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 you can't drink that. You might hurt yourself or get sick. But that's my choice. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah. No, we decide. We decide <laughs> that. I want to nip down the shops on my push bike just... Without a helmet. No, 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 no. That you might get hurt. I've got too much raw milk. I want to not break the law when I get some pasteurized milk. Like what? What has been drilled into us that we are so compliant? Yeah. Not just in this country, but in New South Wales, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the old man now, Jimbo? Yeah. Oh my God! Did I just do a rant? <laughs> it was really good. We too. have to <laughs> mobilise. Yeah. I'm actually starting a new political party. Yeah. Yeah. It's called. Uh, Freedom Australia Party. So we, so FAP, it's called. You know what that means in the internet, right? <laughs> to fap is to wank, is to masturbate. We've got our logo and everything. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it a right hand? Like clenched in the air, like freedom. <laughs> it's a fist. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? Like... Black Panther salute. <laughs> Just it's a white hand though. Tell me about the Freedom Australia Party. What are your policies? What are your major policies? But my rights as a human being override the government's ability to decide what's good for me. Mm. Are oh, you talking about actual policies? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like. I look. I, I like that. Your rights as a human being, and. I, you know, I feel, I feel the same way. Should I, should I be... <clears throat> what do you want to talk about first? Like, should I be able to buy from a shop um, a marijuana joint that the government, like they do in Colorado, seed to smoke is controlled, the process, so it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Uh, I can make a decision myself. It's my own health, my own safety. Should I be able to do that if it doesn't harm anyone else? I, I absolutely believe you should be able to. Should I be able to consume a tab of LSD if I'm going to make a conscious choice to do that, to experiment with my own consciousness? I'm not going to hurt anyone. No one suffers in the community. Absolutely, I should be able to do that. Should I be able to bike down the shops and get a fucking Chico roll without a helmet on? Yes. I think we need to start having a conversation that Americans are really good at. And that's why I love America in many ways, is they're like, oh, fuck off, leave me to do my shit. You, you govern by providing, you know, healthcare and education and some sort of social security net. Fix the odd road, but stay the fuck out of my life. Where does, so where does healthcare come into this? Where does the, well, <laughs> we pay for your healthcare, yep. Jim. So we'd rather not spend, you know, because one out of so many people who've taken LSD have then gone into permanent psychosis and we have to spend $700,000 a year, you know, housing them. Hey, that's kind of untrue. Well, like, I'm just being right wing yeah, radio guy. Sure, totally. Well, if, but if you're going to do that, why would you not have that argument for 125 mils of Coke, a litre of Coca-Cola? Why wouldn't yeah. you have that argument yeah. for a box of Krispy Kreme donuts? Why wouldn't you have that argument about the fact that I can go to the shop now and buy a pack of Winnie Blues, which we know is A, addictive, and B, will give me cancer? Yeah. LSD is neither of those things, you know? So if we have things in society already that we know are detrimental, more detrimental to people's health than raw milk, riding push bike, rock fishing, yet we're okay with them and we factor them in, to the health system because we know that's all right, that's your own responsibility, that's your own decision, but we'll still provide health care. Why should I pay for some guy 
who smokes cigarettes <laughs> and is drinking soft drinks and eating shit his entire life, should I have to pay for that? Not really, but I've agreed to. I think that that's reasonable that we all sort of look after each other, you know? That mindset that, you know, there are some things that are slightly harmful in some people's minds, so you can't do them. Like, what are we going to ban? We're going to ban skydiving? You want to ban rock fishing? (laughs) You want to ban, you know, swimming at night? Like, where's the line? We get... We get told by the government where the line is and we go, oh, okay, you decide the line. You know better. Because you're, you're, you were born in 1930. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There's heaps of wisdom and brilliance and incredible yeah. innovation coming I, from people do, older than I us. I do find, though, and I've noticed this coming, coming back to Australia, a lot of things that I just saw, uh, you know, I didn't even notice, actually. I've seen a lot more in contrast and... As, as, as in the contrast of other societies, particularly having spent so much time in the Netherlands in the last few years. Uh, and I don't know if we talked about this before. The particularly the lower socioeconomic uh, classes... Poor people. ..who there seems to be... Uh, well, it's, it's not my fault because that happened. Yeah, I think that mentality exists everywhere, honestly. But, yeah, I think the more you sort of open up to the idea that, you know, what the government says is best for you is so arbitrary and so tied into ideology and conditioning and isn't actually based on evidence. It isn't based on personal freedom and responsibility, but, you know, just what's been done before that's the beauty of what's happening in the world at the moment you know colorado is a really good example in terms of weed legalization you know denmark and sorry the netherlands is a really great example of what's happening with you know human rights and gay marriage if you get one part of the world that's able to make social change happen and do it effectively like within months years a domino effect you can see yeah. those changes starting to occur in other parts of the world because there's nothing more powerful in these sorts of arguments than seeing a template for a country or a region or a state that's enacted change done so successfully and seen that the sky hasn't fallen in it's amazing look portugal is such a great example oh, with the decriminalization, decriminalization yeah. which i'm not 100 percent down with but i think the fact that they did it means the rest of the world can go, here's a template of how to do it differently. Shit didn't hit the fan. We can do that here mm. and apply that here. And, you know, with weed in the States, look, it's happening. With, you know, women in Saudi Arabia are now able to drive and they're able to vote. So there are other countries in the Gulf region who are like, this is probably doable. Shit didn't go crazy. And that's really powerful over there because the more women are engaged in the process, the more we're going to mm. see those guys sort of enter, you know, that age of enlightenment, which is... Are you going to lead the Freedom of Australia Party? <laughs> I think I have to, yeah. yeah. I think I have to re- lead Freedom of Australia. Fat for your country? Fat for Australia. Gee. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, it'd be great. You'd so, great yeah, I song. think there'll be a ground as well. I need 550 people. I need 550 signatures. That's it? I think to start my own political party. Uh, send us your email at gmail.com. What are you going to send? You've got a, a mailing list? Yeah. Right. There's 550 people mm. on it, at least. Okay. This is good. This is real good. Yeah. Yeah. And what? where will you start? Council? Or will you start federal? Where will you start? Maybe I just I'll chose just two Maybe I'll, like, things that you know. <laughs> no, just like the federal or council, what will you go for? Will you go for just like the, the Parents and Friends Commission, like th- the PNC at school? No, start there? I don't think that's a great place to start where my kids go to school. But <laughs> I think maybe I'll move back home to my folks' place, which is sort of on the northern beaches of Sydney, and maybe I can run for Tony's seat, run up against Tony in the federal election. That'd be all right. It's not the worst So you have idea. to live in the area? Not technically, no. No? Um, Tony doesn't. He lives very close, uh-huh. you know, to that electorate. So, 
you you should be from that electorate. I think people are sometimes parachuted in there and then they just rent a room. But. The what you mentioned before, though, I think is very interesting. The idea of you know things based on evidence mm. um, versus things like well, we well, know that's just how we've always done it. And that things don't change because that's how we've always done it. Gay marriage opponents are like, marriage is between a man and a woman and has always been like that. That's the way it has always been. Imagine you're in America in the 1920s and you're a black man and your son asks you, Daddy, why can't I go to school with the white people? Well, that's how it's always been done. Because we've always done it like that way, you know? That's crazy. What if you're a woman in Saudi Arabia who goes to their mum, mum, why can't I drive? We've always done that. That's how we've always done things. Just because you've done something terribly forever is no excuse to keep doing it. In fact, the opposite. Mm. You've uh, got two little girls. Yes. I'm inheriting a 12-year-old now. Beautiful. She's um, growing up before my very eyes. She was a kid, a little kid when I met her. She was mm. 10. And now she's nearly as tall as me and plays water polo like a beast. Oh, um, there's some formative stuff coming up, yeah. Yeah, and it. if I looked at the world, because, you know, much like yourself, I went to an all-boys school, but you had the benefit of sisters. I was only ever around men, 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 men. And I've tried very hard in the last 10 years or so to change my view as much as I can to look at the world from a non-white male heteronormative perspective. Seeing now what is available to her and the world that she sees and trying as hard as I can to see the whole idea of you can't be what you can't see, what she can see, like, oh, this isn't good enough. You know, as far as women in positions of power in this country and you know, where she feels safe. Like, we won't let her walk with a dog at night here. And that's fucked. You know, it's it's certainly made me... I don't want to become, say I'm becoming the jumpy old man, but it's certainly made me a bit twitchy. I won't lie. You know, I'm stuck. I think she's... being protective, you know, is really important and I think essential when you're a parent. So, uh, yeah... I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think even, you know, if you felt you were in an area that was safe, you'd probably feel a little bit, you know, jumpy and protective. But, yeah, what's available to kids? Like, this is the thing. Like, FAP Australia, the Freedom Australia Party. Well, my my opinion is that, you know, personal safety and personal responsibility, we need to find that balance. But you talk about what kids can see, and that's one that I sort of struggle with. I used to struggle with it, actually, especially when it comes to internet pornography, because as soon as you sort of raise the idea that you need to control what people can see, people say, oh, that's censorship, you know, we can't have any of that. But you tell me a better way to stop 11-year-old girls and boys from watching hardcore pornography and then we'll have a conversation. Because at the moment, you say, oh, it's a parent's responsibility, parent's responsibility. As soon as that child is out the door, they are at school with 500 other kids who've got smartphones right next to them, a 4G connection. They can look at hardcore pornography. They don't even have to search for that shit, you know? It's two clicks away. If you want, to show, if you want me to show you <laughs> the research I've been doing, how easy it is for... You have a, a young folder? person. I got some book. I've saved some bookmarks. <laughs> Hang on, there's quite a few, so I need to find which ones I can share with you. Yeah, no, no, that's the really fucked up shit. So, hang on. Anyway, well, okay, that's. Do you anyway, a, do you need a moment? Um, yeah, I just. <laughs> But in in all seriousness, uh, in the UK, they have an opt-out option. So uh, an opt-in option. So if you want your internet access to allow you to see pornographic material, you have to opt-in. So it's not a restriction of rights. It's just trying to find that balance between what is available to the general public 
and what's not. And I mean, you talk about censorship, like these graphic content that involves children, that's already censored or that already can't be seen on the internet because it, you know, violates the people involved. And you might say, well, pornography, it's people are, it's consensual, you know, so they're adults, they're knowing what they're doing and that's okay for it to be filmed. But if you can't provide a mechanism where children can't be stopped from seeing that because we know now about the evidence about what it does to young people it fucks with their brains it even fucks with grown-up males brains um we talk about you know therapists who see males with sexual dysfunction or deviant behavior because they watch too much pornography then you know you'd, you'd have a catalog of them i don't know am i now see this is the thing i'm like for everyone doing anything but when you've got a situation where kids are involved, you've got to have restrictions. Uh, it's a tricky one. How do you how do you stop? You, your, you know, stepdaughter might have seen shit that she shouldn't be seeing at that age. My kids are going to grow up in an era if we don't do something that they'll be able to. At eight, we'll be seeing some horrendous shit. That's currently the, that's currently <clears throat> the average age of when eight. kids have seen <clears throat> hardcore pornography. Is eight years old? You cannot tell me that that's not fucked up and you cannot toe the line that you know making restrictions is censorship and be okay with that it's going to be an interesting debate that's a tricky one yeah but what do you do would you censor everything google's done a pretty good job the safe search on and off for my research yeah, yeah i've tried to google some sus shit on google and they've done a great job at sort of you know, restricting the yeah. type of things you can search for. Uh-huh. Bing, not so much. But And that's the thing as well. Oh, no, we're ranting again, aren't we? Um, that's the thing as well. Bing haven't done that because they're not the market leader. They have to do everything they can to yeah. try and get a foothold. And so one of those things is they haven't got those sort of restricted safe search things. Maybe. I look, I I look forward to the, uh, the Freedom Australia Party. Yeah, get on board. Vote one, people. Fap. No, it's not. <laughs> that is. If you love your country, vote FAP. Vote for FAP. I'm it's a FAPA. Ring to it. I'm a FAPA. FAP one. <laughs> Thanks for coming over, Jim. Oh, that's it. Thanks, man. This is great, this show. I just get to vent. <laughs> Come for back like anytime. 40 minutes. And then. Come back anytime. You make me cups of coffee and. Yeah, you can look at the rockfishes, you know, exercising their right to risk their lives. Australia's most dangerous you know, participation sport, rock fishing. People fall off horses every day, every day every into day. themselves. Dozens of people fall off horses and die every year. Are we banning horse riding? No, why not? The rich people own them. <laughs> That's probably why. Probably. And I can't get a glass of delicious cold raw milk, but you can go horse riding. That, this, what a topsy-turvy world we live in. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jim. (laughs) Well, that's it. That's the show. That's James Matheson. Look at that. I hope you can get a bit from that conversation because in that conversation he said, I only need this many signatures and then I can run up against Tony Abbott. And you know what James did? James got that many signatures and then he went up against Tony Abbott. Put it out there, do the things you need to do, get it done. It seems crazy and it seems audacious and it seems like no one's ever going to let you do it. But look what Jimmy did. He just fucking did it. Whatever it is you've got this week, this day, that you've been like, nah, that's just too big, too hard. Look what Jim did. He bloody did it. I love that, man. He's freaking amazing. I'm stoked you got a chance to hear that, because that was a pretty good moment. If you want to find James on Twitter, he's at James Matheson. Um, a big thank you to everyone that helped me make the show this week. My audio producer, Andy Marr, show producer, Hayley Van Spania, and music, of course, by the magnificent Melbourne's own Toe Hider. Until next time we talk, uh, which means I will no longer be on holidays, I'll be back at home. Sleep well. Dream of beautiful things. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.